Looking for a Bible to encourage the girl in your life? The NIV Kingdom Girls Bible is a beautiful new Bible that will inspire girls ages 8 to 12. It contains 400 features and colorful illustrations and highlights famous and sometimes infamous women of the Bible. Special notes will encourage girls to apply Bible passages to their lives through prayer, art, and activities. Go to NIVKingdomGirlsBible.com for a free sample and to learn more about this amazing Bible. Visit NIVKingdomGirlsBible.com today. girlfriends and discuss issues on your heart. Your host is Gina Glenn, who welcomes you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and our special guests and friends from around the world to join in live. Put on a comfortable pair of jammies, pull up a chair, settle in with your favorite refreshment, and prepare to be blessed as Gina welcomes tonight's guest. And now, here's Gina Glenn. Hello and welcome to Mommy Jammies Night. My name is Gina Glenn and I'm the host of Mommy Jammies Night here on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. We broadcast live once per month, the second Tuesday of each month at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find the replay along with past Mommy Jammy Nights at mommyjammiesnight.com and also on Google Play or iTunes. And we love your five-star reviews and feedback there, so thank you so much. I also want to give a special thank you to tonight's sponsor, MediaAngels.com. You can follow Media Angels on Facebook for an exciting announcement very soon that you're not going to want to miss, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, tonight's scheduled guest, Lindsay and Rochelle of Talking Mom to Mom, has been rescheduled for July, Lord willing. You can hear them, though, every week on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and their podcast again is called Talking Mom to Mom, so you're not going to want to miss that. So tonight, I'll not just be your host, but also your presenter, which is great because that gives us a chance to get to know each other a little better. I can uh, share a little bit more about myself, uh, more than just the hellos we normally do when we start um, our Mommy Jammy Night podcast. So I am a homeschool mom. I've homeschooled for over 20 years. I have four children. Their ages now are 17 through 24. Uh, My oldest lives cross country, and my youngest is my last to homeschool. My other two, I have one ready uh, to go off to college this year, and they're all working full-time and things. Um, I am a full-time work-at-home mom as well, and I serve on the network here as a media consultant, um, and lots of other things in that genre. I do have a book called A Principal Approach Primer, which is available on Amazon. That is the homeschool method that we used. And so I wrote a little primer on it um, to address some of the phrases and things that you come across in the principal approach. And I'm always happy to take any questions on that. Anytime you want to ask me, my email is gina at mediaangels.com. So tonight I thought I would, Mother's Day is coming up, and I thought that I would really like to talk about talk about moms and how Jesus views moms. So tonight's talk is Jesus and moms. And when we get, um, I just want to say, I wanted to know if you know something. Do you know Jesus loves your children more than you do? Now, you probably already know that. 
But in order to understand what Jesus has to say about moms and to really be encouraged by it, we need to take a look at what he has to say about our children. Have you ever noticed that some of the most tender scenes in the Bible involve Jesus and children? He heals them, he welcomes them, and he encourages them to approach him. And seeing his dealings with children really put a humanness to Jesus that sometimes we tend to see him as very spiritualized. So I love that. So if we look at Jesus and the little children in Mark chapter 10, we read, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Now, I'm not a theologian, and there's a lot going on here. Um, but looking at it through mom eyes, I love to see that Jesus welcomed the little children into the kingdom with their childlike faith and that sense of awe and wonder. And he admonished adults, we moms and dads, to have a childlike approach to the heart of the Father, to God our Father. And I love that. And I love that Christ took the little ones in his arms and he blessed them. And in my mind's eye, I can see him with a full lap, and children on every side smiling and even laughing that hearty way that men do when they're amused. You know what I mean? Um, if, when your husband laughs, he can really laugh, you know. So surely our Lord sees our children as unique persons entrusted to us as our stewardship. I know we usually tend to think of stewardship like something we do with our money or with our time or talent. And all of that's true. But in this case, it makes me think of a question that my dear friend, Ruth Smith of Pilgrim Institute, once asked when she was called on to make a decision regarding something that would impact families and children. She asked, who did the children belong to? She was asking others to consider that children weren't the property, so to speak, of the school or state. She was asking others to think governmentally, as she would put that, which means she was asking who or what's in control. Well, who is in control? And who do the children belong to? Who are we stewarding for? And what is stewardship? Psalm 127, 3-5 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Stewardship, then, is the responsibility and for moms, for us, it's our very calling and vocation. But it's responsibility of taking care of something or someone. We're asked to take care of our children, stewardship them on behalf of someone else. If, they, if we are to stewardship, then certainly we're stewards. So who are we stewardshipping for? Okay, We're stewardshipping for the Lord. And what is a steward? In scripture, a steward is a minister of Christ. Now, I just want you to think about that for a minute. Have you ever considered considered your calling as a mom 
one of a minister of Christ. And what do ministers do? What do ministers of Christ do? What's their job? Webster's 1828 Dictionary tells me, in scripture and theology, a minister of Christ's duty is to dispense the provisions of the gospel and to preach its doctrines and administer its ordinances. So what then is our role as Christian mothers according to the scriptures? To preach the gospel and its doctrines to our children. Now, I think that's radical. Uh, That's so contrary to what you hear our role is supposed to be. Uh, I mean, you can just get in social media and start the mom comparison thing, and you can see confusion about what our role is. And our role isn't simply to give birth to our kids or bring them into our hearts by adoption. It isn't just to feed them nutritious food and clothe them. It isn't even just to give them a quality education like homeschooling. Our primary role is to preach the gospel and its doctrines to our children. And that is a really radical message. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. That's stewardship. That's relationship. And I want to suggest to you that you're doing this preaching, whether you realize it or not. You may not actually be preaching to your children in the sense that you're talking, preaching, like when you think of a preacher, which is really kind of what that word really means. But through the art of mothering, you're demonstrating the gospel and the gospel message to them with every word and deed. Let me say that again. You are demonstrating through the art of mothering the gospel to your children with every word and deed. And just as your children are unique and special to the Lord, so are you. He loves you and he's equipped you to do the work he's called you to do. In Titus chapter 2, we read, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching, show integrity and dignity. He's given us some guidelines here about how we're supposed to show the gospel to our children. Now, at this point, you might be saying to yourself, I don't really feel equipped. I don't know that I'm doing a good job. I have a wayward child. I'm not even sure some days that I like my children. (laughs) And we've all had those kinds of thoughts run through our minds. You know, we're human, too. And what I'd like to share tonight is a way to embrace the vocation and high calling of motherhood that helps us keep our eyes on Christ. We'll look directly to the Lord for the equipping, and we're going to lay aside advice from Dr. Phil and Oprah and all those others, at least as far as they disagree with Scripture. But first, let's just take a look at how Jesus taught, because this is going to help us in our daily, minute-by-minute instruction of our children no matter what age they may be, because this is called relationship. If we look at the life of Christ, we see that Jesus was loving. You don't get any more loving than laying down your life. He repeated spiritual truths over and over. 
so that people might understand. And he did it with patience. He walked among the people. He was healing them, asking questions, and imparting truth through ways they could understand. Mark 4.34 says he didn't say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Jesus was, he was someone who attracted others. He had a way of pointing to the Father that satisfied the needs of the people. He knew how to satisfy their greatest spiritual needs. Even when they just returned for more bread, he knew they had a greater need. And here are some ways he did that and how as moms we can be encouraged that if we'll follow the Master Jesus, he will meet their needs and our own. Now, I'll put all these in the show notes later at mommyjammiesnight.com, and you can visit and get the show notes for this show. But number one, um, children need to feel safe and loved and important. So here are some questions you can ask yourself. Do you have a consistent temperament? Do you meet, as well as you're able, your children's basic needs for clothing, shelter, and food? Is your discipline consistent, or are your children unsure of what to expect? I'm sure you've heard that phrase, walking on eggshells. I pray that never applies to any one of us. <laughs> can your children confide in you? Can, you can, can they tell you the things that are bothering them? We are especially admonished not to provoke our children to anger or discouragement. Ephesians 6.4 addressing fathers in this instance, but certainly applies to us moms. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And again, in Colossians 3:21, again, addressing fathers, but applicable to moms. Do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. This means not picking on them, poking on them, doing things that would embarrass your kids, because they internalize that, and they get discouraged, or they get angry. And Jesus accomplished this. He made us feel safe and loved and important in his very life. He lived it sinlessly in his death for our sins and in his resurrection for our justification, that we might have peace with God the Father. And you can read that in Romans chapter 4. Number two, children must trust their parents. Do you keep your word to your children? Do you keep your word to others so that your children witness this? Do you do your best to make sure that your children are influenced by trustworthy adults? Remember when we talked about how Jesus patiently repeated things to his followers and for our benefit so we'd understand? This builds trust. And we can trust him because he did exactly what he said he would do. You can read Mark 8, 9, and 10. He said he would suffer, die, and rise again, and he did. So we can trust Jesus. We can trust God the Father. And if we can demonstrate keeping our word to our children, they will trust us. This might look like when your children ask where you're going or what time you're leaving, keeping those commitments, or if you promise a park, you know, a visit to the park or whatever, um, if they complete their schoolwork, but later on you're tired, if you consistently expect your children to um, just kind of understand and you don't follow through, then it erodes trust. So you need to um, make sure you're keeping your word with your children. 
Number three, children need to know their worth. Do your children understand their value as a human being made in the image of God? Do they see how important they are to you by the time and true attention you give to them? Are you full of distraction? Are you flipping through your phone? Is Facebook your primary, you know, mom time during the day to the neglect of other things? And this is not to drag down on anyone, but, you know, if that if that pokes a little and makes you feel a little convicted, it's not a judgmental thing. It may, you know, it's, it may be you feeling internally that that's something going on. Because God's Word tells us children are a heritage and fearfully and wonderfully made. And we should be honoring that in them. And that the Father would hold nothing back in saving them should they stray. And in fact, he didn't hold back his own son. You can read about that in Matthew 18. with a parable of the lost sheep. Number four, the children, they need to see their purpose and their calling. Do your children see that they've been created by God and live in the culture and time we live in for such a time as this? Do you as a mom? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As moms, we should walk in them because our children will walk after us. My grandma used to have this poem hanging um, on the wall in her bedroom, and I wish that I could remember it all, but maybe I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. But it was, walk a little plainer, Daddy. I don't know if you've heard that, but it admonishes the dad to walk plain because the children are following him. And as moms, that is the case for us as well. Number five, children need chores and work. Constant entertainment is soul-destroying to anyone, but especially to a child. There is value in work, and it sparks their creativity and curiosity, and it helps them see their place in God's wide world. Again, back Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. They are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Number six. Wisdom and role models. Children need your guidance and the guidance of trusted adults, especially as they become young adults themselves. This helps them grow discernment. Who do you know that exhibits wisdom that would be a good influence to your kids? Do you exhibit wisdom to your children? Proverbs 13.20 tells us, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a, a companion of fools should be destroyed. Do we show um, wisdom in our friendship choices as moms and who we hang out with? And our children are going to echo that. So we want our children to walk with the wise, and we want to walk with the wise and demonstrate that to our children. Now, if we're real for a minute, and I just want to be real with you, we do our best as moms. I do my best. But if you're like me, you fail. I fail. I lose my temper. Sometimes I'm convinced that driving with my kids in the car is meant for my sanctification. (laughs) I call a friend with my tale of woe instead of turning to the Lord in prayer and much more because I fail often. And as a mom, the thing the Lord keeps bringing before me is that I need to learn to trust him in this calling of motherhood. 
Trusting the Lord doesn't mean neglecting the principles I outlined earlier. It means confessing when I fail my children and repenting the sin that brought me to that neglect. And here is good news. God is so good. He promises to forgive us and restore us. And in the repenting, if we turn to him, he will teach us what we need to know to be the mom he wants us to be. His word will thoroughly equip us for this good work. James 1.9 and 2 Timothy. This is another thing our children desperately need us to see, the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of their mom. I ask myself, are my children seeing that? Are your children seeing that? This may be one of the greatest needs in our families. I heard a statistic just last night that most teenage kids don't believe in the Holy Spirit. And God gave us the Holy Spirit as a helper, an advocate, a paraclete. He's our, he should be our right-hand man. Jesus said he had to go away, and it was good that he would go away, that the Holy Spirit would come. So are our children seeing the working of the Holy Spirit, that power, in our life? Are you a mom who keeps a close relationship with the Lord? Do they see a mom who, when she fails to go to her Father in heaven and seek him, or do, is she, are you the kind of mom who, when she fails, she goes to her Father in heaven and seeks him? Do our children see us walk in newness of life when we're forgiven and not mired down in sin or past sins, but accepting the Lord's forgiveness by faith and trusting in his plan of repentance? Are we failing in the same ways over and over again, refusing God's way of blessing? Now, I'm not sure that I can talk quite as long as other mommy jammy nights, but I do want to encourage you as we close today with an example of a Christian mother and her influence over her children as she set out to follow Jesus. I'm not going to tell you who it is right away, but you might guess. And though she's from long ago history, she sounds like she could have been from our very day. And here's her story. It seems everyone was off doing their own thing. The spirit of reform that had marked the age past had died down, and the age of reason was around her. She was married to a difficult man. Rigid, some say, and she was a very busy homeschooling mom. She gave birth to 19 children. Ten of her children lived through babyhood, but there was no large family homeschooling group on Facebook for her to join. She taught them all sorts of fun things like French and math and all without Pinterest. And seriously, ladies, she was no unschooler. She made today's classical homeschool moms look like soft pudding. She had to run a tight ship and lived in a time when moms didn't hold their babies like we do today. But no doubt, this was a mom whose children were her highest priority. One scholar described her children as a cluster of bright, vehement, argumentative boys and girls living by a clean and high code and on the plainest fare that drilled the soft tones to pretty formal courtesies with learning as an ideal, duty as an atmosphere, and a fear of God as law. She obviously took her role as steward to heart. But now, just wait, it gets even more interesting. This woman and her husband had a disagreement over who would take the trash cans to the end of the street. I'm just kidding. This is a serious woman. And they argued about something far more serious. 
let's just say this gal had a mind of her own and very strong convictions. During prayer, her husband prayed for the king. And due to a belief his wife held during, uh, regarding the king, she didn't say amen when her husband did. And a heated discussion, we'll call it that, that's our polite way of saying it, ensued, and he left for five whole months. He left her and with all those kids. Okay, so I'm not taking sides here. I'm just sharing this, but a story. He was gone for a while, and her letters to him, they were not nice. <laughs> Can you imagine growing up in a home like that? One of her daughters shares that the atmosphere in the home was intolerable and you know I can imagine we've all felt that kind of tension when people argue well eventually the king in question he died and the husband returned home and nine months later a baby was born so I suppose we can say they made up her story never improves much her children made bad choices her house burnt down she was often very poor it goes on and on but she holds fast to her faith in Christ despite all these trials. She was rumored to just throw her apron over her head to form her own little private prayer tent. And I can imagine with 10 children around you, that would be a good thing to do. She remained faithful as a steward to her children, and two of her children would experience a conversion so radical that would bless Christendom to this day. And I don't know if you've guessed who it is yet. But I wanted to encourage you that we can look to Christian examples like Susanna Wesley, who I was just describing, and keep our eye on Jesus. So what principles outlined earlier did Susanna Wesley follow in the keeping of her own home? Number one, despite their father's absence, she made sure her children were provided for the best she knew how. She was a stable influence over them, and mom meant home. Number two, through a kindness with strength, she cared for her children, giving them the ability to trust her. She demonstrated evenness of temper. Number three, she educated them in the things of Christ so they could establish their work. Number four, she provided them with an education that was well-rounded and based on Christ so they could fulfill their purpose and calling in life. Five and I don't really think it takes 10 children to establish enough work for kids to do, but I'm sure in the Wesley home, she ensured no one was idle. Everyone would have had work to do. And as far as wisdom and role models, the, um, it, was, it was said that they didn't have evening church. So she would have her children sing the Psalms and read a sermon of her husband. And the neighbors started coming over to take part in this. She was a role model to her children. So like Susanna, we are called to embrace our mothering fully, to see it as our highest priority. God has given us the tools to equip it. He's given us the tools to equip us. We only need to put them to use. So if you have any questions, you can pop them in the chat box and I'll try to answer them. But I want to thank you so much for joining me. And remember to visit ultimateradioshow.com um, ultimate for the best in homeschool podcasting and mommyjammiesnight.com for the replay. And kudos to our gracious sponsor, Media Angels. Have a good night and thank you. 
so happy you joined our session of Mommy Jammies Night. Please drop our guest a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time. And follow up with Gina Glenn on Mommy Jammies Night Facebook page and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page. Or via email at gina at mediaangels.com. God's blessing upon you and your family. 